Hello, everyone, and welcome to Eploribus Podcast. Today is September 25, 2019, and the last 24 hours have been simply, in a word, amazing. If you were not paying attention yesterday, you need to pay attention today. The Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, announced to the Congress, to the citizens of the United States, and indeed to the world, that the House of Representatives which under Article 2, Section 4 of the Constitution is charged with impeaching or indicting the president, will do just that. They will undertake the process of a formal inquiry, which is different than what they've been doing up to this point on the Mueller report and the Emoluments Clause, where they've been uh, investigating and gathering facts. She chose not, however, to uh, put together a select committee, which is something that I expected her to do. And I'm going to get into all this later. We're going to talk about impeachment today. We're going to talk about the Constitution today. We're going to talk about what's impeachable conduct, what isn't, what's the bar, what happens next. Now, there's breaking news at about 10.30 Eastern, 9.30 Central, and early in the West, The transcripts were released this morning of the call between President Donald John Trump and President Zelensky of Ukraine. And from what I've seen so far, it matches what we've been reading about and hearing about in the media. It is clear that the President of the United States, Donald Trump, in an effort to get information, to get his political opponent investigated, reached out to the President of Ukraine, again, which is a small country that has struggled for decades with communism issues with Russia and Russia attacking Ukraine and trying to become a democratic nation. They finally elected a Democrat president uh, in this last cycle, Delny. They are an ally of the United States. We give them aid, we give them assistance, we give them military uh, equipment, etc. $250 million worth of aid was apparently withheld as these conversations were taking place, folks. This is a mess, and this is not uh, the impeachment of William Jefferson Clinton, which I was a young committee counsel at the time. I was there. I worked on government reform and oversight, and uh, this is very different. Uh, President Clinton was impeached, I believe, wrongly, and many believe wrongly. Uh, It wasn't about sex. It was lying about sex. It was perjuring himself about sex. So, yes, technically, They had a crime, a misdemeanor, a high crime, however you want to define it. But many of us felt, even those of us who were Republicans felt, that that was not something that you wanted to use impeachment powers over. But we're going to get into all that today. But before we do that, I want to read some words to you. I want to read some words that were written on September 17, 1787 and ratified on June 21st, 1788. And those words went like this. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. Pause, hard stop, reflect. We the people. Ladies and gentlemen who follow this podcast, who follow me on social media, and soon, yes, I promise I will be back on air. We the people are the government of the United States. 
When Ben Franklin emerged from the Constitutional Convention and a woman asked him, what do we have, Mr. Franklin? And he said, a republic, if you can keep it. What did he mean? Well, a republic is a different form of government. It is a government that the people, through their elected representatives, govern. Through your members of Congress, through your United States senators, through the Electoral College, which elects the president. And these office holders are not kings or tyrants. We don't have communist dictators here. We don't have authoritarians here. We don't do those things in America. We have the power of the ballot, of the free vote, of the ability to put you in and take you out. Now, one of the great things of this constitution, and I think one of the greatest things that the founding fathers did was they were smart enough to realize that if they were gonna set up a system that really was governed by the people, they were gonna need three co-equal branches of government. The executive, which is the president and his cabinet, the Congress, which is the lower house, the House of Representatives, and the Senate, which is the upper house, they make up the Congress, the legislative, and then the judiciary, which is the Supreme Court and all the federal courts there too. Those three branches of government, none of them, none of them is superior to the other. The executive does not tell the legislative what to do. The legislative does not tell the judiciary what to do. The Supreme Court, the judiciary does not tell the legislative what to do. But interestingly, they all intertwine in this way. So you know that when the president of the United States nominates a new Supreme Court justice, he or she is confirmed and consented to by the Senate or they cannot take their seat. So it is a check. So if a president, for example, were to nominate someone that was grossly unqualified, had never been to law school, had never read the Constitution, someone that was a trucker, and he just decided he's a buddy of mine and I want to put him on the Supreme Court. Well, the Senate would not confirm that nominee and he would have to submit another one that had more proper credentials. It is a check on power. Likewise, the legislative branch, which is the one closest to the people, the members of Congress, both in the House and the Senate, they write the laws and then they send them forward to the executive to sign them into law. So you see, none of them can work without the other. The president has veto power if it can be confirmed by two thirds majority, which is difficult to get in these times for anything. But the president of the United States does not have the ability to not give Congress documents that it requests. Now he can exert executive privilege and I'll break all that down in a little bit, but it's real important that you understand what's going on here. The president of the United States does not say to the people, you might be able to see it, you might not, depends on what I want to do. It doesn't work that way. I served on the Government Reform and Oversight Committee. That committee's express purpose is to have oversight over every single government agency, whether it's the IRS, whether it's the Postal Service, whether it is the Director of National Intelligence, which falls probably more squarely with the Intel Committees in the House and the Senate, but the Chairman of the Oversight Committee and those members of Congress that serve can pretty much request anything they want that they believe is in the public interest and that the public has a right to know. Other than classified material, which out of the Department of Defense or out of the CIA or the National Security Administration or WACA, whatever, those communications can be shared with a group called the Gang of Eight. 
That gang of eight is the chairman of uh, some of the top committees, as well as the speaker of the house, the majority leader, minority leader, etc. Those individuals have high clearances and they must be briefed when the president thinks he's going to go to war, when he's going to take some type of covert action. And this is a check. And I'm going through this this morning because for the next 14 months until the election, we're going to talk about this nonstop. Everything stops now because it appears that an impeachment is probably likely going to happen. And I am convinced that this president might be removed from office for the first time in history, because I don't believe that there are not 10 Republican senators who will look at this information, who will look at the pattern and practice of conduct of this president, which again, I'm going to get into what conduct is impeachable in a moment. And I believe that he will be removed if he does not resign. I think we're looking at a President Pence. I can't tell you when that happens or how that happens, but I think it's very likely, particularly given what I've seen this morning. And I'm going to take more time and put on my lawyer hat and really go through this documentation as soon as I am able to do so. So what I wanted to talk about with you this morning is I know for a lot of you out there, this is all Greek. This is all Greek to you. This makes no sense to you. And part of why I don't think that the Mueller report was successful in having us look into an impeachment inquiry was because it was too much, it was two layers, it was too convoluted. And your average person, I don't care if you're college educated, if you have a PhD or a master's degree, or if you're a worker in a coal mine, understanding this stuff is difficult at best. Now, what I want to help you do, what this podcast is all about, as you know, it's about America. It's about e pluribus unum. It's about bringing us closer together, not dividing us by understanding and listening and sharing and exploring and maybe even arguing a little bit and maybe pushing back a little bit and having difficult conversations, courageous conversations that will bless us and keep us a republic. Now, I want to start... And I want to do this slowly. Take notes if you want to. Listen to this again. Share this podcast. I'm going to talk to you and teach you about impeachment. I'm going to try to break down for you what's happening right now in real time as the transcripts that have been released of the phone call between President Trump and President Zelny of Ukraine clearly show that Trump pushed Ukraine to investigate former Vice President Joe Biden and his son. Hard stop. Is that legal? The simple answer is no, it is not. Now, there are any number of federal laws, the emoluments clause in the Constitution that you've heard a lot about, simply as a clause that says this, and I've written a piece on it for the New York Daily News that I'll put back on my Twitter feed and on my Facebook public page so you can read it. But the emoluments clause is important because there is a clause within the clause that talks about foreign governments. One of the things that the Founding Fathers feared, of course, breaking away from a tyrannical king, was yes, you got it, they feared the interference of a foreign power in either corrupting, trying to overthrow, have a coup d'etat on our government, um, subvert American officials to do their bidding. And so this goes to the very heart of who we are as Americans. Go back to that preamble to the Constitution that I read to you and look into what treason is. Now, people are throwing the treason word around, um, in my opinion, a little too loosely, and I don't like that, because treason is 
a very serious crime, and it is something that simply means treason is criminal disloyalty to the state, in this case, the United States. It is a crime that covers some of the more extreme acts against one's nation or their sovereign. In this country, it would be a national crime, a crime against the Constitution, as we don't have a king, we don't have a prime minister, etc. Folks, let me be clear. This is a sober day. This is a sober moment. We have only had two American presidents impeached. Andrew Johnson, who was President Lincoln's vice president, and President William Jefferson Clinton, who you remember in the Monica Lewinsky affair. Sorry, that's a tongue twister there. Monica Lewinsky affair. um, And his lying and committing perjury in other matters that had to do with sexual harassment allegations with Paula Jones and some of these other women. But treason, be clear, is a high bar which is punishable by death. It would be like me being a United States senator and me selling and being on the, let's say I was on the intel committee. And let's say that I had secrets that we were going to unleash some new nuclear weapon that could wipe out everything we know that's living. And I sold that to the Russians. That's treason that's punishable by death. So I want you to be clear when you hear the treason word, not to take that bait. We're talking impeachment, uh, which under Article 2, Section 4 is very clear that impeachment has to do with um, a number of things. Now, the most simple definition of what's impeachable is high crimes and misdemeanors. Well, what's that mean, Sophia? Well, I'm glad you asked. A high crime is something like conspiracy to commit bribing public officials, um, subverting uh, the national security interests of the United States, um, committing some kind of crime in office. I'm sure that if a president were to murder his wife or murder someone, uh, that would be sufficient. I a, a, a misdemeanor, well, what's a misdemeanor? Some of you out there know what a misdemeanor is. You've had one in your life. Uh, you A misdemeanor is... Uh, something like a petty theft. It's uh, It could be a, a driving under the influence in some states could be a, a misdemeanor, or give you points on your license, cause you to lose your license. A misdemeanor could be um, a simple assault or battery that's dropped down. It, it means a lower crime. Um, but then there's what we don't talk about that is clearly implied in the constitution. And, and when you look at the legislative notes by the founders at the time when they're discussing Um, these laws and these articles, uh, the Bill of Rights, if you will, when they're discussing them and they're talking about the executive and they're talking about the legislative and they're talking about the judiciary. Well, what they're talking about is pretty simple. Moral turpitude, which is, if you didn't listen to yesterday's podcast on the founding fathers and what they thought about a moral and virtuous government, you need to listen to it because The founders were very clear that we must have moral and virtuous citizenry and moral and virtuous leaders if we were going to remain a free society. Now, pause there for a moment and kind of digest what I've just said. I'll be honest, I took a sip of coffee because if I don't have coffee in my system by a certain time, I'm no good. But back to impeachment, I want you to understand that moral turpitude means a failing of a president's morals. This matter of paying off porn stars, for example, and violating clearly FEC rules that landed Michael Cohen in jail is clearly a moral turpitude issue. And it's also a criminal issue. Um, I'm of the belief that the eight to 10 
acts of perjury or suborning perjury or obstruction of justice or influencing witnesses, um, trying to bully, menace witnesses from testifying, um, all fit into what would have been impeachable. The reason that the President of the United States uh, was not convicted of those crimes is because the Department of Justice has a memo that came out of Watergate, frankly. It's an Office of Legal Counsel memo. Not anything in the Constitution, not anything that's written in the law, but it's an Office of Legal Counsel memo that says that a sitting president cannot be indicted. I don't agree with that. I think that flies squarely in the face of the Constitution. And I also don't think we ought to be allowing a memo written by men who serve at the Department of Justice, no matter how well-meaning, to subvert the founder's intent. So I wanted to just hop on today briefly, and we're going to talk about this a lot. I'm going to get on uh, Joyce Aline and Mimi Roca and some of the top prosecutors, um, people who were U.S. attorneys. I'm going to start having some of those guests on over the next week or so or two so that you can really hear from people who did this for a living. Uh, yes, I was an attorney. Yes, I worked on the Hill as a committee counsel. And yes, I'm admitted to the bar of the United States Supreme Court, but I did not practice this kind of law on full disclosure. So I'm a student of the Constitution. If you haven't read Pluribus uh, One yet, you're sleeping. You need to get a copy. Um, they're sold out now, but more are coming. Um, it's a great book, I think, that uses example of men and women who saved this republic and built it, made it a more perfect union. But they did it by following the tenets of the Constitution. They lived up to the spirit and the call of the Constitution. So my friends, again, let me recap for you. Right now where we stand, the President of the United States has released the transcript of the call between him and the Ukrainian president. There is clear and clear and clear convincing evidence. I've read the transcript. Read it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. It shows that President Trump pushed Ukraine president to investigate Biden in exchange, he would give them the money, the aid that was promised, and the Senate had been asking why that money hadn't been released. Folks, this doesn't get any clearer. If this is an impeachable conduct, nothing any president ever does is impeachable. This again goes to the very heart of the Emoluments Clause, to foreign interference in our sovereign government. Whether or not the president intended to do it, whether or not he was just too dumb to know what he was doing was not acceptable, that it was lawless and unlawful, I don't know. But excuse or mistake of law or not knowing what the law is does not excuse you from suffering the penalty of that law. So if I go into the store and I shoplift and I tell the police officer when he arrests me, well, I didn't know it was a crime to shoplift, he's going to say, I'm sorry for you, but you're still going to jail. So the fact that we don't know what we're doing is criminal unless it is in a crime of mens rea, which is Murder, you have to have the guilty mind because I have to have intent to kill you. There's a difference if I break into someone's house at night and kill them versus if I hit them with my car accidentally when they run into the street. One is murder, one. One is manslaughter. You see the difference? So what I'm going to do over these next days, weeks, and months is try to break this down for you in small sound bites so that you get it, so that you understand it. Because a bunch of lawyers getting on television, talking fast and talking crazy to each other is hard for even me to understand. And I am one of them. So folks, let me say this. I want you to get out there. I want you to get a copy of the Wall Street Journal. I want you to read these original allegations. Then I want you to get a copy of the transcript. Just Google it. It's available everywhere. Go to 
Fox News, go to CNN, go to MSNBC, go to NBC, go to ABC, go to CBS. They're all there. They all have them online for you to download. Read it for yourself. Then I want you to get a copy of the Constitution of the United States, and I want you to read it. And I want you to read it again and again and again. And I want you to understand how special your country is. And I want you to understand that you want your kids and your grandkids to have better. And I want you to understand that this is the United States of America. As President Obama said long ago when he was a young man, not even running for the presidency yet, and he said, there's not a blue America, there's not a red America, there's not a purple America, there's the United States of America. And that is what we need to remember in this moment. To my Republican friends, wake up, stop covering for this man. There's a good man who's vice president. He's an honorable man. He's a faithful man. He's a man of faith. He doesn't get into these shenanigans. He's not someone that's going to get on Twitter and insult people and hurt people and harm people like President Ford before him. I believe Mike Prince is probably the next Jerry Ford. Um, ironic how history repeats itself. What I'm looking for right now is the Barry Goldwater, Bob Dole, George Herbert Walker Bush, Howard Baker that takes a walk down to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and says, Mr. President, you need to resign. You need to spare the country this debacle. You need to step aside and hope that you can get immunity. Maybe Vice President Pence pardons him the same way Ford did Nixon, and it's over. I don't know, but what I do know is, is that this is impeachable. President Trump is to meet with the Ukrainian president today at 2.15 Eastern. Boy, is that going to be uncomfortable. I feel sorry for the president of Ukraine because he's in the middle of a mess when he has a poor, small country that could be overtaken by Russia at any moment. Folks, you have to understand this is all interrelated. You have to understand that this is high stakes foreign affairs we're dealing with. These are our allies. You're talking about NATO. You're talking about honoring treaties and alliances. And our president played footsie with that to get dirt on someone. By the way, Biden doesn't even have the nomination yet to be the Democrat nominee. It could be Elizabeth Warren. It could be Kamala Harris. It could be any of those people. So he clearly jumped the gun. He has no boundaries. He has no honor and no decency. And those things, let me be clear, if you read Article 2, Section 4, are impeachable. Go Google the impeachment or the indictment of Andrew Johnson, who was President Lincoln's vice president. He became the 17th president of the United States when Lincoln was assassinated. He was impeached for things like being a bully, for being a racist, for being a liar. I mean, these weren't crimes per se. They were moral turpitude crimes and failings. Don't miss this because I'm watching all you smart folks on TV who think you know everything talk about what the bar for impeachment is, and you're just wrong. You haven't studied history. You haven't really read the Constitution. A president can be impeached for pretty much anything the Congress believes is high crimes and misdemeanors. Be clear about that. So having said that, I want to end this. I don't like the podcast to run too long. Tweet me with questions. Tweet me with things you want me to talk about at I am Sophia Nelson. Keep listening. Share this podcast. I am going to keep breaking it down for you. God bless you and keep you. And God bless the United States of America. Thank you.